You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Romillo, credentialed reporter and the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode's a little different. I know (laughs) with so much positivity around the heat as the start of training camp is right around the corner or has begun, I don't even know what the hell the schedule is anymore. I thought it was important to just have a conversation about something that I've been thinking about a little bit lately, particularly last week when it seemed like James Johnson might clear waivers and he might become available and there was a possibility of a reunification with the Miami Heat. And then I saw... One of my favorite guests on the show tweet something out from last year, uh, something that she wrote about the coverage of NBA players who have been charged or have, have been, there has been some alleged assault uh, tied to them at some point in their history. Obviously, we have a couple of players on the current Heat roster that I, I think make this kind of conversation a little bit more difficult. But in any case, I'm here with Katie Heindel. Uh, one of my favorite guests. This was just an opportunity to talk to her, really, because she is such a great guest and has such a unique perspective. And uh, it is an uncomfortable topic, but I thought, you know, why not have Katie on the show, talk to her a little bit and see if maybe we can get some, I don't know if clarification is the right word. Help me out here, Katie, because I'm, I'm at a loss. Um, I feel like some clarification, but maybe just like an honest conversation. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, the... the the Johnson thing really stood out to me last year because, or last week, because there, there I was saying, you know, James is a great guy that I've covered and talked to many times in the locker room. And I love his talent and, and the things that he can do when he fits and is engaged as he has often been during his tenure with Miami. But I was somewhat embarrassed to have pointed out on Twitter, you know, this is a man who was charged with uh, assaulting his wife, who, who was locked into a bathroom according to police reports with their son and he punched a hole through the door Uh, and you know James from his time in Toronto and uh, you know obviously he is a a world-class athlete and also martial artist and and so this is no joking matter and so it's kind of easy to dismiss because James personality is somewhat magnetic he's fun in the locker room he dresses awkwardly he likes to get high I mean he is a strange interesting personality and somehow we kind of tend to forget, or at least I did, uh, you know, his past. And I, I'm somewhat embarrassed about it. Yeah, I think like, I mean, when the Raptors first signed him, I immediately, like I had known of the charges and and like, I think what always made me the most uncomfortable is when he played for the Raptors. He had that, he had that like saying that like went extremely viral when he like talked, he like, he talks about like punching someone or like, no, he's, he's talking about, dunking rather but he's like I cocked that joint back and like banged on them and everyone said that forever and I just was like oh man the parallels here are too gross and like too prevalent to kind of ignore um and I always had such a larger issue with it because around this time is when the Raptors started to really be a vocal organization um just about you know being an organization that basically had a zero tolerance policy kind of wouldn't like put up with this sort of behavior from like current players or players they brought on but like his charges were still active 
Mm. when they signed him this happened when he was with the grizzlies um as you mentioned yeah he 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 struck his his wife in the face and choked her uh he also punched through the bathroom door where she was hiding with their son and then he he i think he fled the scene um but at the time that they're after signing him the charges were extremely active i think he was awaiting a court date um in a really striking deja vu really uncomfortable deja vu now to like the terrence davis kind of situation um it didn't ever really sit right with me because it was just around the time where there maybe wasn't a, enough attention on it that the Raptors were feeling the same kind of, I hope, pressure that they are now. You know, like people I think are more aware of these issues. We hopefully can talk about them a little bit more out in the open as you and I are attempting to now. So like I never, like I can admit, like I had a bias towards James Johnson in this sense because I feel like it was never properly acknowledged. And the thing that you would just kind of see touted again and again was just like, you know, he's a black belt, like he's quote, like so good at fighting and all of these things just like do not sit right with me knowing that this was never really, this was never really acted on by any team. You know what I mean? It was like these allegations happened. He was signed to the Raptors. They never really followed him around. He was obviously signed again to the heat. He's now just like, I feel like unless you bring this up, a lot of people don't know about it, which I always find quite surprising. Yeah, again, I mean, I I remember covering the report for and one of the first sites I wrote about wrote for and, and then just kind of unfortunately and, and again embarrassingly putting it in the back of my mind because I didn't know what mm-hmm. was happening and thinking at the time, oh, this is a guy who's likely to be out of the league because that already even by his his Memphis days, it seemed like he had that kind of journeyman sort of status about him. And, and he seemed like he was probably going to be out of the league. And then I remember Miami signing him a couple of years. And again, this was, you know, post Dwayne Wade, he leaves to Chicago in 2016. You're kind of rebuilding, retooling, whatever you want to call it. They add Dion waiters who, you know, consequently, or, or I mean, I don't know if it's consequently or ironically, but like heat fans, despise Dion for all the <laughs> allegations from last year and, and the gummy incident and everything else like that. Mm-hmm. But he he's been, I, I think to my knowledge anyway, somewhat of a model citizen. I, I mean, I never heard of him having any kind of issues off the court other than, you know, going at Kyrie Irving who we'll talk about later in the show. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I just never found out. I don't know. I don't know why those things are so strangely um, un, unbi- or unfair there because it seems like Johnson was liked and appreciated here because of his talent. And then, you know, Dion somehow was not because he, he grumbles from our playing time out somewhat publicly. But anyway, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it, it more speaks to the way that we collectively kind of handle or like refuse to handle and acknowledge uh cases of like domestic uh, like assault uh and abuse with athletes versus the way that we handle and talk about drug allegations or like the gummies incident was like it was like there was some lightness to it do you know what i mean i I guess i can understand why actually i don't understand why (laughs) heat fans really despise that maybe the interpretation was he was kind of coasting that year so i perhaps i can understand that but it, 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 it's they kind like, of make, use it to make fun of him because he had been mm-hmm. you know, not playing and then all of a sudden he gets so high that he starts having a freak out session on the middle of a team playing and things of that sort but yeah. the reason why was because he's not a a actual cannabis user like this was like one of his first experiences with it if not his first from sources that i talked to and and so <laughs> 
you know, he, he did flip out because he was so unused to this, but it turned into like this big joke about, you know, waiters getting fat and getting high all the time. And mm -hmm. that's why you put on so much weight and that's why he's not getting playing time. So whatever. Yeah, I think that the, what always struck me is interesting specifically about James Johnson when he went to Miami, he obviously like like this is just abstractly if you look at him outside of these allegations, which it's difficult for me to do, but sure. he he really like thrived quite a lot in in the mm -hmm. system the quote-unquote system right like he even said that himself like he, he was in the best shape he said of his life like he was playing a lot better he was obviously not like an outlier style player anymore so something there worked for him and i think you know obviously as fans you want to be able to latch on to that especially in his his position as a journeyman like he came in he immediately added like great things on the floor to the team but i think the difficulty is like you can't just substitute someone's athletic ability as like sort of a like a glossing over of maybe the the more uncomfortable things that they've done in their past and I'm not saying like I I think this is the thing it's like there's still no conclusive answer in terms of like how do you move forward from from this kind of thing with players who are still in the league like how do you talk about it and I think the fact is like they're some of it or most of it is so inconclusive whether things are settled out of court whether things are ever settled or not whether league investigations happen and then whether league investigations are found to like basically be fine and that person can go on and have a career it still doesn't necessarily equate to like quote justice served mm -hmm. and i think we i think the most important part is to just keep talking about things like this and keep having the conversations because we haven't actually gotten to a point I think in society at large, where you look at like the Me Too movement and things like that, where we don't yet know how to reconcile with people who have like committed like violence of like this, this sort, right? Like you don't necessarily want to just cast them out, but we haven't gotten to a point where we really know how to either rehabilitate or discuss openly what happened without it becoming really like vitriolic, really uncomfortable, because I think people really like choose sides in, in situations like this. And for the sake of my listeners, uh, kind of remind them or refresh their memory about the Terrence Davis situation, because I'm not all that familiar with it myself, but I imagine that mm -hmm. was probably what inspired you to retweet your piece from last October in the first place. Yeah, so Terrence Davis um, is currently accused of assaulting his um, girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, uh, well, in New York, I think, in a hotel room. Uh, his His son, who I think is maybe just about a year was in the room. He, he, I think his girlfriend was holding his son. He fell. Um, so there's charges relating to abuse of a child uh, and domestic assault. His court date is the 11th of December. So it's coming up soon. Um, and the league basically stepped in to do an investigation. So the Raptors, you know, have kind of, are just kind of towing the party line on what their stance is, which is that they're waiting for the league to finish its investigation and, they can't do much given the MBPA basically does have like a pretty strong union in place for this where, you know, if the league is undergoing an investigation, the team can't necessarily penalize a player. My one kind of like main argument with that is they could, it's just probably not been done. It's not the norm, you know? And if, if Terrence Davis didn't represent, I think the level of like promise that the team hopes for right now, if he was, you know, a lesser player, like they had a situation like this a couple of years ago with Kay Felder, who was a Raptors 905 player. He punched his girlfriend in the face and they waved him the next day. Mm. So I think when you look at it like that, right, it's like, 
you the value that someone has to a franchise, even if it's their future perceived value and what why it's worth holding on to them versus why it's worth, you know, in the Raptors case, kind of standing their ground. Or, I mean, like standing to the ground that they've, they say they've like kind of built, they are a franchise that's, that basically speaks to the morals of themselves and that they say they have zero tolerance policy. You know, they don't, they don't stand for this kind of thing, but they, yeah, they haven't done anything really to, to prove that in my opinion, but that's what's happening right now with Terrence Davis. Is he practicing with the team? He is. Has and he that was available to the media. He hasn't. And I think that's quite intentional. Oh, of course. I think like the other thing would be like, if, if, okay, if they are, if they don't want to deal with the MBPA, if they don't want to deal with fines, then, you know, don't waive him yet. Wait until the court date and the investigation, but you didn't necessarily have to invite him to Tampa to work out and, and, you know, get ready with a team ostensibly, because what that signals to me is like, you want this guy ready to play once all this stuff kind of clears. Wow. Okay. Uh, Katie and I will continue this conversation and talk a little bit about Kyrie Irving, COVID-19 already impacting the season and more here on the number one Miami heat podcast for the latest news, rumors, and analysis. This week, I'll be answering more key questions for the team as they start training camp. So make sure you're up to speed by subscribing to Locked on Heat here on your favorite app to listen to podcasts and always get the newest episode. I'm talking to Katie Heinel, and we're talking about how to talk about players that we cover and talk to semi-regularly about, well, I mean, some of their, some, some dark parts of their past, uh, including, you know, some key players on both our respective teams that we talk to and cover regularly who have been charged uh, with, you know, assault of some kind. And it makes it difficult. You wrote a piece last October for a dime called the summer shelf life of accountability for allegations and investigations in the NBA. And this is uh, this opening paragraph here, assault and abuse allegations within the NBA have a similar shelf life to your breath on a cold day visible when they first hit startling even if a place in your gut has by now understood that things like this can happen anyone's and then fading for every second out and floating in the world these kinds of allegations struggle for a shelf life anywhere with victims reluctant to come forward given the inherent doubt and questioning play squarely most often on its survivors and that is i mean that's interesting to me because you're right as we're talking about these players we were talking about james johnson in the previous segment you're talking about terrence davis now but you know miami has a couple of players that have had to face charges like this in the past, Avery Bradley and Kendrick Nunn. And I know that's been a difficult conversation. Every time I feel like I bring up Nunn in his past, uh, I get a, a loud vocal minority of fans that either stop listening to my podcast or threaten to stop listening to my podcast and tell me, why don't you just leave the man alone? He's done his time, et cetera. But the reality is that he has not done his time. Like he did cost himself a lot of money. I guess that's the biggest punishment is that he was not a top 15 draft pick you know for a player of his level of talent and ability and instead he just went undrafted but he's still getting paid you know six figures uh to be in the nba he's likely to cash in on that at some point and and we've all seemed to have moved on from the allegations bradley is on his you know third team since he he you know was charged uh with was striking his girlfriend at the time and and that case was dismissed but you know, that was uh, with the Celtics. And, and since then, he's been with the Pistons, Lakers, and now with the Heat. And it feels like we've been more, I mean, I I didn't know about the allegations, or at least I had forgotten about it, because 
my, my last recollection of Avery Bradley was that he opted not to be in the bubble for you know, personal reasons. I think because he thought it was going to be taking away from his ability to make an impact on social justice movements off the floor. Uh, and so, you know, I, I had a measure of respect for him. And then I kind of see, you know, the, these allegations from his past and, I, and the, that gets tainted uh, a little bit. And it makes it difficult because I've talked to Kendrick and I mean, I do, I do enjoy speaking to him as a person and yet I can't help but shake that I'm, I'm doing something wrong here. And I know that there's no right or wrong answer perhaps, but uh, it's a conversation that I feel like we still have to have. We still have to keep this fresh in our memories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing I'll say is like that, that Avery Bradley situation, unless there's some another allegation I wasn't familiar with, the one I am familiar with was that he sexually assaulted a woman while she was passed out. So that's, and that he settled, he settled uh, with her for like a sum of money because he didn't want the story, like quote, he didn't want the story to come out that's horrible uh, yeah it is horrible and you know i think again like you you make a good point and this is this is what happens like with the kendrick nunn stuff of like you know he's he's quote like you know he's he's kind of paid the price like leave him alone you know he lost out uh, on like a, a great opportunity in the draft but like arguably he hasn't because he's still in gainfully employed by the nba um making a, f a fair living like and that's the thing it's not that like you want these things taken away but you want some you want some sense of like reconciliation with what was done and like some acknowledgement of it because most in most of these cases it's the hope is just the less you talk about it the faster it goes away it hasn't yeah. been brought up by any media member in his one year yeah. in miami yeah and, and myself I included like that's fair i mean that's fair. <laughs> I, I, what am I going to say? Like, I, I wasn't there. Hey, remember that time that you were charged with, you know, throwing, uh, spilling a drink on your ex-girlfriend and, uh, you know, and, and costing yourself the chance to be drafted uh, in the lottery at some point. I mean, I, I don't know how to even bring it up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, I could say like to a degree you're put and we are put as like media and writers. It's not a fair position to be put in because I don't necessarily know that it should be up to us to to make to make those to to ask those questions and to put that pressure on. But you, it kind of does become your responsibility in lieu of either the team um, that has him on their roster or the league itself. You know, basically being willing to take those steps. Um, I think like there's a lot to be said of just like where the, the league stance is zero tolerance. Most teams would probably say like their stance is also zero tolerance, but there's a lot, you, you start to see where there's a lot of room between none yeah. and some, basically depending on who it is, you know? And I, I don't know why people, well, I do know, I feel like it's a lot of like deeply embedded misogyny <laughs> in terms of why people get so angry when you, when you even kind of voice these things uh, and just say like, you know, leave this alone, don't talk about it anymore. But in the silence and, and how difficult it, it, it becomes to talk about, it, it becomes more taboo. And I understand like these players obviously don't want this kind of stuff chasing them around for the rest of their lives, but the longer it's kind of swept under the rug, the more opportunities it will have to kind of rear its head like down the road. So unless you kind of reconcile with it and address it head on, you know, and like, that's what I'm for. And I'm for figuring out some kind of like messy, like, because it will be messy at first of like how you kind of deal with these things if you want, you know, if this was done in the past, if a player has like, if there was, if there was some attempt basically to like face, 
I don't know. I even like hesitate to use the word justice because I don't know that that's like ever really happened in cases like this. You know what I mean? Sure. But sure. we just haven't seen it yet. So it, is, it becomes difficult to even talk about what I would like to see. I think at first I would love to see acknowledgement, whether that's from a team, you know, in my case right now with the Raptors, like I'm not seeing that at all. All yeah. their, all their actions are signaling the opposite right. of what they say their, their like moral stances, you know? So it's difficult to square that with what the team says it is. So, I mean, until we actually see what this could look like, even if it's done in an imperfect way at first, then I think we just get farther and farther away from ever really finding a solution. And, and like the, we all tend to completely ignore the victims in this part. Like we're, we're yes. so focused on covering these players and talking to them and how we talk about them and things of that sort. And, and in a lot of cases, the victims have their lives ruined forever and, and somehow have to fade even more into obscurity and deal with the trauma of the event and everything else. Or worse, they might have to be, you know, exposed and then talked about and vilified for their their involvement in the situation. And, and that's even worse to me. I, it's just, you know, my, my wife makes fun of me sometimes because I always have this idea of. Uh, like a, a sitting around a bonfire and an airing of grievances like whenever there's drama between friends or family members as there almost always is like there's, there can always be like a cleansing conversation you know a smoking of the peace pipe so to speak where you can just kind of air it all out you talk shit about one another over the of a big roaring fire and just kind of clear the air a little bit and move on and i feel like that would probably be like the best step here like if kendrick had joined the team last year and saying look you know what I messed up. I, I had a terrible time in my life. It cost me this and that and the other. At least be open and frank about it. We could all be like, oh, okay, at least we know. We know what the situation is. We get your perspective on this. And, and maybe if we can even get like the victim's perspective on this too, because again, she's she's now faded into obscurity here. We don't hear from her or her perspective or anything else like that. We just know she's some, according to some people anyway, a person trying to extort a player mm -hmm. for money and, and attention and all these things that are, I mean, that's just evil. But uh, I don't know. I, I, again, it's just like, I wish there was some kind of clarification, uh, you know, ad admittance of their fault in this situation, rather than just covering up. I don't want to talk about it. The team won't cover it and they won't talk about it. And frankly, if I bring it up to Kendrick, there's a good chance it's going to get back to heat PR and my credentials will be revoked and I'll never cover a game again. Oh, absolutely. Like I think about that all the time, you know what I mean? And like, that's a really shitty position for me also to be like a woman in this industry and as a reporter to think about, because it's yeah, like, you're on the fringes already. Sorry. I mean, you're well, like, you're, like you're yeah, one day, like, you're one bad day away from being, <laughs> no one's ever heard of Katie Heinel. <laughs> and I feel like I am fairly vocal about this as much as I feel comfortable doing, but like at some point, just, you know, being the only woman in, in those rooms, I do like it when my male colleagues choose to speak up and ask some of these questions. It does take a certain amount of weight off. Um, and I think some have gotten a little bit better in like these conversations. And I'll admit like some come to me and are like, how do I talk about this? Like I had a conversation with a beat writer for the Raptors and he was like, how do I, what do you think would be an appropriate way to even like talk about Terrence Davis if I have to talk about him in one right. of my stories? And, you know, I was like, yeah, I appreciate you asking. I feel like, you know, you know this. And I, you know, I hate this. I was also going to say, but when like stats are listed, usually at the end of like these small tidbits of news of like right. of a player domestic assault charges, right. they'll, you, it'll usually end with their like playing stats, which I right. always find so obscure and insulting. Absolutely. Um, 
and, and to clarify what Katie's saying, it's like, you know, the, the headline is, you know, ex-player charged with beating his girlfriend, three paragraphs on how he was arrested, what the situation might have been. And then at the bottom line is, is saying, oh, and by the way, ex-player averaged 8.9 points per game, six rebounds in his two seasons with X team. And it's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous because it's again, it's like it's glossing over this really, really terrible incident by just bringing it back to like, oh, he's a player. We should be focused on him and not necessarily on, on the proper you know, focus, which is the victim always. Yeah. And you're tying up like essentially his worth, too. And basically his performance was, right. which is kind of like its own weird, like sure. problematic thing, sort of. But I think like when I was chatting with this reporter, I said, well, why don't you if you have to mention Davis, you know, why don't you then mention just like have a line where you mention this ongoing investigation, you know, like you're not dredging it up in detail every time, but you're, you're alluding to it or you're flagging it much in the same way that those stupid stats end up tacked on the end of, you know, news stories about assault uh, and abuse allegations, because it's like, if it has to go both ways, I think. And I think like, you know, to what we were talking before, like these imperfect signals, I think players are super wary of like, your idea sounds incredible if like something like that could happen. And to his credit, I have read stories and interviews with none where he acknowledges what happened. Um, and at least that I think is more than I've seen other players do, you know, and he does acknowledge it was a hard point in his life. I mean, the story then went on to talk about how much he struggled. And as you said before, it doesn't really mention the victim at all in these cases, but if, if like either none or the heat as an organization, then we're like, you know what, we're also going to pony up and like, donate X amount to like a women's shelter or like women's crisis, like organization, something like that. Like, I know some people might look at that as like a little bit of lip service, but it would actually be a good start, you sure. know, cause you are kind of saying like, you are accepting, if not guilt then responsibility, because like, that's, I think more of it. Like it's, it's not that you want these, these players to be like, like made to feel terrible over these like heinous things that have potentially happened it's you want this this level of like acceptance and recognition because only then can you really like reconcile and move forward well it's an interesting conversation um again even that term interesting kind of uh, <laughs> waters it down there uh it's a, a worthwhile conversation and, and you know one that kind of ties into something that's going around nba circles right now which is kyrie irving and he had a quote to media about uh, a stand that he'll be taking throughout the season. So it kind of ties in here. And Katie and I will be talking about it next year on Locked on Heat. that you can always reach me via email at lockdownheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Oh, I'm sure I'll get some good reviews after this show. Uh, <laughs> stick to basketball, asshole. I, I can already see it. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I got that as I mentioned something that uh, Andre Iguodala had said from a few years back, uh, you know, some not very good comments about his daughter. Um, not wanting to play, not, not wanting her to play basketball because he didn't want her to be gay. And I think it was kind of, I, I'm not sure exactly what that, what the interview was or, or whether I was a TMZ report or something along those lines, but it was just, well, again, it's a, a terrible thing to have to cover a player and talk to, and again, Andre, a very intelligent player, a high ranking player with the players association and a respected NBA veteran. And yet, uh, 
not all of his takes are good ones. So it does make it very difficult. And, and speaking of a player with questionable takes, Kyrie Irving released a statement a couple of days ago saying COVID-19 has impacted us all in many ways. So I pray for the safety and health of our communities domestically and abroad. I'm truly excited for the season to start. And I'm also praying that everyone remains safe and healthy throughout this journey. Instead of speaking to the media today, I'm issuing this statement to ensure that my message is conveyed properly. I'm committed to show up to work every day, ready to have fun, compete, perform, and win championships alongside my teammates and colleagues in the Nets organization. My goal this season is to let my work on and off the court speak for itself. Life hit differently this year, and it requires us, it requires me to move differently. So this is the beginning of that change. So Irving will not be available to media uh, over the next few, I guess, I don't know, over the rest of the season. And it's easier to say that, especially now that we don't have the kind of access we once did. We won't be covering him and shoot around or pregame scrums or in the locker room that will that access will not be part of the NBA season moving forward. While we expect that media might be allowed to some degree, I'm not sure exactly how much or, or what access we'll have at that point or probably be similar to the tier two coverage in the Orlando bubble where you're kind of up in the stands watching from afar, which is, you know, not necessarily any better than watching on my TV. So I'm not sure how likely it is that anybody will be covering games in person, but certainly when it comes to Kyrie, we won't be talking to him anyway, because he doesn't want to talk to us. And, and we're kind of having this conversation about in media and how do you, how do you cover a player? And, and Irving has been, I don't know. It's, it seems like he also has been vilified somewhat, over the last couple of days because of his stance. And I'm curious, I was asking you about the situation before uh, via direct message. And, and you said you didn't have any particularly strong takes about it. Is that still the case? I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's just, I guess to some people it might be a strong case and that it doesn't necessarily bother me what he said. Some people might find that outrageous, <laughs> but I don't feel like it is that outrageous. You know, it's, it's tough to kind of, I don't know where I feel about it. Like, I feel like first of all, that I'm robbed of an opportunity to talk to one of the league's most interesting players, like for all the difficulty and talking about players that have sexual allegations against them in their past, you know, Kyrie you know, hasn't done anything off the court. Uh, you know, there's some rumors, but uh, other than that, uh, nothing, no allegations, nothing proven in the court of law or anything like that. And he is always interesting. He is obviously a, a thoughtful and communicative player, well-spoken and, and interesting. I, and, you know, and so I don't get that opportunity to talk to him. Not that I probably would have been covering many uh, Nets games this season anyway, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there's a, a danger and a player saying they don't necessarily want to speak to media, which is, I know that Zach Harper of the athletic got into some trouble about what he was saying and he probably said it very poorly but it's a again, it's a difficult conversation to have because it's like he, as a player, yeah, he, he shouldn't be beholden to us as media members to have to talk all the time, which is you know part of an NBA contract is you have to be available uh, at some point during shoot arounds or a practice or throughout any game day. You have to be available either pregame or postgame. Some players find a way to duck that. You know, obviously in pregame, they're they've got their timing down perfectly where they are shooting throughout. Uh, right up until, you know, tip off basically. And then in post game, they take a quick shower and are out the door and you never catch them. So it's uh, it's not always like they don't always want to be available to media anyway. It's a dance. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I remember. Do you have like a particularly fun story about that? Because I'll remember one time the Clippers were in town and this is while I was living up near Orlando. 
I waited in that locker room for about an hour and a half for DeAndre fucking Jordan. And uh, it paid off. Like, it was a one-on-one with me and him in a locker room, and it was great. Like, I, it was well worth the conversation because he's interesting and funny and all that. But, you know, I, I just was like, I'm going to stick around. Like, everybody's packing up. Even the PR guys were, had already changed it to, like, the, their their shorts and T-shirt so they could go on the team bus, and DeAndre's still taking a sweet-ass time. Uh, anything interesting like that ever happened to you? That, I mean, that does happen, like trying to get weighted out by by a guy. That's happened to me before. Um, I'd say probably like the only time I had a player kind of refuse me before, like pregame was I trying to talk to Tim Hardaway Jr. And he was just like kind of listening to music. And I was like, all right, I feel like he's just, you know, some guys just like have their pregame ritual oh, they sure. in the zone. And then after I wanted, I went back to the locker room after the game, they had a very bad loss um, oh, and he yeah. was not happy. He right. was like pretty vocally charged like I was like to the point where I was like all right like this isn't the most comfortable but I also like have a job to do so I kind of steeled myself but then as soon as like because he recognized me from before and I was just like all right like do you have a minute now he just it was just like turning a switch like he just became such a pro you know like just so gracious and like ready to talk I was just like huh like you know like this is I feel like sometimes when you when you watch the behavior of reporters and especially in locker rooms, like it can, be, can become a little robotic. You know what I mean? I feel like there's sure. something to be said for letting these guys have a moment to like breathe and collect themselves uh, and then just like, you know, approach it as professionally as you can because you're doing your job. Most of them understand that you're doing your job, too. Uh, and then they'll kind of talk to you on that level. But I haven't had I mean, once I almost missed i was trying to talk to lonnie walker and i almost missed him and he was putting on this like beautiful leather jacket and he was like ready to go and then i was like dude he was like oh yeah like no problem he's super nice but because he waited popovich ended up being like poking his head over my shoulder during the interview and they had an extremely funny back and forth so that was like one case where i was like oh sometimes if you wait like it's really worth the wait interesting uh, I remember trying to talk to Serge once, Serge Ibaka, and he, he does not do pregame at all. I did not know that. <laughs> he doesn't, and he takes forever. Uh, post. Usually shower and then to get dressed, of course, after yeah. the game. Pregame, there was like this big, like, amount of fruit that he was eating. And so I come up to him in the locker room, like, he's got like, I don't know, like eight grapefruit around him or something like that. And I'm like, he's got his mouth full of fruit. And I'm like, you got a minute? And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> later later and i was like okay fine whatever we'll talk later and i know of course that he wasn't going to be available later so i, I tried my luck and it didn't work out um <laughs> yeah it really is it's funny it's funny um anyway i don't even remember we're talking about Kyrie here because yeah, yeah. there's no obligation for him to talk to us but i don't know Do you, you don't feel like i don't want him punished necessarily like he's made this mm -hmm. choice but i know a lot of people are saying well he's going to get charged by the nba so a punishment might be coming regardless of whether media make a big stink about this or not or it, maybe it just kind of gets overlooked because if media don't make an, a big stink about it, then uh, maybe it'll just kind of get, again, it'll get overlooked. But do you have any particularly strong take on that? Should should the league crack down and make him available to play, to media members at some point in time? Well, this is the thing. I think on there, it, this sort of exists on several levels is that uh, Kyrie Arena is like the kind of caliber of player. Like when people say like, oh, is this a slippery slope? When people are like mostly other reporters are nervous that like what if other players kind of take up this position? Kyrie is in a very specific echelon of player who can make like statements like this. You know what I mean? And I think he, the, he'll probably be fined. But again, like he can make these statements and be fined. 
and not have that really threaten his livelihood. Whereas most other players, you know, not at the superstar level can't make statements like this. So I don't think they will. So I think the worry that this might lead to like this kind of behavior from other players is a little bit moot too. I think it's been an awful year <laughs> for most people. So I guess right away, like I kind of, I felt for him. It's like, he had a really hard time in the bubble. He basically had a hit piece written about him, you know, that he was like this disruptor, you know, where it's like, he's not really, he's like a representative of his peers. Uh, and like, I don't know, he is outspoken, but I'd say, oh, also, he, so he's just like, since he played in Cleveland, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a reporter in Cleveland who once asked him if like, he saw LeBron as a father. Oh, right. Him. Yeah. And like he has not had a great I would say and also he has he doesn't have a good relationship with the press but I would say mostly it's not too much his fault. Like yes he is like can be out there and I get a, a bit more like existential than some players but I feel like you know you can give as much attention to that or not not attention to that as you want to as a as a reporter just like most writers really love to have a field day with it but just like these other kind of things that he's had to go through it doesn't surprise me that he maybe wants to control the narrative a little bit right now Two, I also think that in like four weeks time, once the season starts, he'll talk to media again. Like, I don't think this is just, I didn't read it as like, I feel this way for this whole season. I kind of just thought like, he's just opting out of media day. And frankly, like he probably would have just been asked the same five questions of like any player on media day. And the story that's come out of this is actually to me, a little bit more interesting than someone asking him, like, are you excited to play with like KD? Are you excited to play for Steve Nash? What did you do to get ready for the season? You know, like these kinds How of important questions. was it to bring Joe Harris back to the Brooklyn lineup? <laughs> yeah. Like what does it mean for you to play this year? Just like, you know, what do you, you expect out of Jared Allen this year? Exactly. You and I both know these questions. So I don't think like him not choosing to go through that like maligns him to me anymore and I also think it's fair to point out that like you know my friend Sean Keane pointed this out but just like the amount of money Kyrie has donated uh like basically since COVID started yeah 1.5 million to WNBA players who opted out of the bubble this year uh 323,000 to Feeding America he partnered with a New York City charity to provide 250,000 meals um you know, I feel like it's fair not to have a referendum on his character, <laughs> given what he does off court a lot of the time and the way that he kind of lives his life because he didn't want to talk to like some beat writers for a day. <laughs> and, and there, it feels like, you know, there's also always shades of, of racism here whenever this yeah. topic gets bricked up. Like he's the angry black man that doesn't want to yes. talk, especially when media by and large is, is white men. And, and I feel like that's, you know, an unfortunate aspect of this coverage is that, you know, he, he's he's free to talk to anybody he wants to. And, and then and we start to kind of gloss over this aspect uh, when it comes to, to Kyrie and, and his his career's interactions in the past with media members and things of that sort, which you've all brought up here. Yeah, like the trope, the trope of him deciding to exercise his like innate choice to talk or not talk to media and then that making him him or this choice dangerous is a really da like is itself a very dangerous trope right? Like it's not, right. it is rooted in some like uglier things. And I think, you know, he has always been a player who has kind of struggled to build up to this point of autonomy and now he's achieved it. And I feel like if he wants to exercise that, that's completely his right to do that.
Yeah, I, I've mentioned it in another uh, podcast, but it, I was in the locker room after that loss in Orlando a couple of years ago when he was with the Boston Celtics, where the, the video of him at the end of that game is him kind of yelling at Gordon Hayward saying, what the, you know, basically what the hell, why did you th- make that pass? It was like an entry pass that wound up leading to a, a missed shot at the buzzer or something like that. And Irving was not particularly happy. And I happened to be in the locker room that day. And then his answers to media were, you know, they made all it was it was the new cycle for the next 24 hours because he had had a particularly bad week of, of, of coverage. And it's just it must be difficult for him, honestly, too. Like, you know, we were talking about the inane questions that players often get, but just like he does not have the luxury of having a lot of time as much as we're you know criticizing somewhat players for the dance, as, as you talked about, you know it's not a whole hell of a lot of time after expending a large amount of adrenaline and energy and effort for two and a half, three hours, and then having, you know, about half an hour to cool off, take a shower and then have, you know, my stupid microphone shoved in their face so that they can answer (laughs) stupid questions. Like it's not a lot of time. And, and for a guy like Irving, who is as well-spoken as he is, he has a lot to say. And he did that time in that locker room in Orlando. And and a lot of that, I don't know if necessarily got misconstrued, but there's a lack of context too. And we don't know what he's thinking and how he's feeling. And, and, and as a human being, he doesn't always have to share that aspect of himself with us. You know, we'd love for him to happen. I, I remember even, you know, your own OG Anunoby, like I, a piece I wrote a couple of months ago, uh, you know, when I was trying to talk to him and, you know, he's a, a well-noted introvert or to some degree anyway, he's somewhat quiet, especially with media, but I did not know that he was going through a lot of, personal trauma off the court Mm -hmm. and so that was that 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 i should have been more aware of these things i'm like asking stupid questions about hey do you play video games like fuck off my dad just died you know i i don't Mm want to talk about your stupid questions um but he did he answered them and you know it was difficult uh trying to get a lot of answers out of him because he's not the most verbose again to media but uh, I just, I don't know. I don't know where I'm standing on all this because the more I kind of talk about it, it's like I see Kyrie, the person, and he's not obligated to tell us anything. He's not. And like he unfortunately is like a, a kind of player who, even if he did go through with the media day and like answered those inane questions, I'm sure there would be something that's like people would like one quote, you know, that like people would latch on to. Like he's kind of damned if he does or damned if he doesn't at this point. Like that's the way that he, his character right. has sort of, been been painted like the persona of Kyrie versus like the actual I think player and person he is hoping by maybe being able to shift or control the narrative a little bit um maybe like shift away from that I don't know if this is the way to do it like just like outside of all this I don't know if this is the way to do it because I actually don't know at this point and it feels so sad to say this like I don't know if he can or like how he could you know what I mean because like a Kyrie that then just gives like whatever quote like whatever responses to questions just like flat you know generic responses would also be like incredibly i for me depressing to to see and to listen to because that's not him either so i think like if this allows him some breathing room and maybe he comes back refreshed and like feels ready like he wants to talk because i i also again i don't think this is him saying i'm never gonna talk to you guys again i think he's just like asking for a breather for for a little bit yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
to to all my listeners, if you're still with us at this point in time, first of all, <laughs> my hats off to you. It, it's been a long meandering conversation, mostly because of me. No fault to Katie. I, I asked her to do this, and and she was more than gracious to take the time it takes to come onto the show. Even though I, I think you're traveling at this point in time, but uh, I still appreciate it very much. It's a difficult conversation, a long one that can it, that has no ending to it. It's just one that, as you pointed out. We should continue to make over the course of a player's career uh, and maybe even once they're mm. done playing because <clears throat> i think it's important to kind of just talk about these things and, and keep the conversation going yeah and i want to say i meandered too so don't you don't have to take all the the credit for that <laughs> um, but it was a meander but thank you uh thank you for being willing to have this conversation. Well, Katie, why don't you tell my listeners where they can find uh, all of your work and if you've got anything else that you'd like to plug? Yeah, I mean, if people um, are still with us and either want to get angrier or maybe have a little bit more background on some of the things we talked about, um, I wrote about the Terrence Davis situation and my sort of problems with um, not holding teams accountable uh, on my newsletter, Basketball Feelings. It's basketballfeelings.substack.com. Um, you already mentioned that dime piece that I wrote uh, a year ago, but that I re recently reshared that because it is still relevant. Um, that's on my Twitter, which is at whatevs, W-T-E-V-S. That's all for now. I got some stuff in the pipeline, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> Anything related to Jimmy Butler? I mean, that was the, the real reason why I brought you on here uh, the first time, but are you I working mean, on anything Jimmy related? I mean, I have been working on uh, making my way through the Miami Heat team shop uh, personally, but no, nothing story-wise on Jimmy Butler yet, but I'm, I'm really hoping. I'm looking forward to the season starting because I got to see Jimmy what, what's, again. What's your take on the vice versa, vice versa jerseys? I like them. They're not huh. my favorite, like the Vice City ones, but I like them. Okay. Do you not I, like them? I, no, I, I feel my age every time these they come out because I just... I am not prone to wearing neon colors, as I mentioned to my listeners last week when they came out. <laughs> and uh, every time I see them, I'm like, man, maybe those are nice, but I, I sure as hell couldn't catch me wearing them. And so I, it's difficult for me to say, yes, that neon color looks great because, again, it's not something that I would gravitate towards in my own life. They're some of the nicest, I'd say, in the league this year. Fair enough. I mean, I, and I'm glad that there are a lot of people that are you know, positive uh, and and from the Heat perspective, they're selling a, a shit ton of them. So clearly a lot of people like them. I just happen to be in the very... Yeah, you can't get them till March. So I didn't order one. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's weird. I wonder if they're expecting like major trades or something like that. And so that's like, no, maybe you won't actually be able to order a blank player's jersey. Oh, God. Oh, God. Let's not get into that speculation. Conspiracy <laughs> theories. You're on lockdown heat. All right. Uh, remember to get your team every day just by asking your smart device to play Locked on Heat as soon as you get in your car. I'm David Ramil signing off and thanking you, as always, for your support.